fresh out of camp meeting, everybody. Fresh out of camp meeting. In a little while. <laughs> been a little while. Been a little while. Camp meeting is over. Yeah. All 500 days of it. My summer camp is just about to get started. You would, you would know. <laughs> <laughs> Hence. Hence. Yes. Hence. We don't need to know where you at. You know How long are you there? They don't know. People that don't know don't know. How long are you there? Yeah. Send help. Send help. Nah, it's good so far. It's good. We're gonna pray you through. We're gonna pray you through. We're getting ready. I'm excited for. I'm I'm heading up there this week. I'm excited for it. It should be fun. Yes. Yes. Hopefully the weather is good and it's not too hot. It's gonna be good. I believe it. How's everybody else doing? We're good. He was How you doing, bro? Doing well, doing well. Can't complain. Camp meeting was great. Had a wonderful time. Both we both weekends were powerful. Every night was powerful. So yeah. yeah, things are good. It was good. It was good. I mean, best concert I've ever attended in life. Like church concert, like not going to like an arena or something like that, but best like church concert I've ever, I've ever been to. Ever. Ever. You're not you're not you're not a little biased, right? No, well, it's a lot of bias, but it was, yeah, you know, it was good. It was no, really it. good. I believe you. I believe you. No shade whatsoever. I'm sure I saw the lineup. I'm sure it was incredible. <laughs> yes, Jeremiah, we're, we're back. We're back. Yes, we're, we're, back. back. we're back. It was so nice. So we're, we're, we're thankful, everybody. Um, Moda again. Well, we'll you, 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 we know. Moda will show up. Moda will show up soon. Um, but we're, we're really excited. We're really excited today. Today is a really, really important conversation. Something yeah. that I wanted to do even before camp, our camp meeting happened uh, because the Adventist world turned on its head. It, 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 it just everybody, it, a sermon was given. The Spirit of the Lord did what the Spirit of the Lord does. Yeah. And... Um, we had, we had, uh, we had a sermon of the year. We had a sermon of the year. Um, it was one of those moments where it's like, you know, where were you when this happened? When were you when this happened? Or I know where I was when I heard this particular sermon and, um, is what we're going to, we're, we're going to talk about today. Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, a lot of people, uh, found themselves being blessed, uh, by this, and this is going to be the topic that we're going to be talking about today. We're namely, we're going to be talking about what I, what I have doned uh, or deemed the sermon that called us out. Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> uh, this, this took place at the Southwest region conference camp meeting. Am I, am I right? Correct. Right. Yes. Uh, Southwest region uh, camp meeting this year. And uh, it is a sermon that I that I thought, especially for uh, millennials, especially for uh, us in the Northeastern Conference, I felt it was it was just really relatable to. It was something that I felt um, we could speak to, we can try to pull out. Um, but at the same time, uh, as I was thinking about, man, can we have a conversation about this? I was nervous because, man, this sermon, th- th- that sermon, 
that sermon could also get us in trouble. Uh, so I was trying to figure out how am I going to. It could. I mean, it could, but not in the context that I think we're going to share it today. So I'm excited. You're I, absolutely I think, right about that. I think I think a good way to describe the sermon was that it was prophetic. Like when when prophets speak, they they tell us where we are mm-hmm. in relation to where God has called us to be. And that's the yeah. way I heard the message. I heard mm-hmm. it as prophetic. And I think it's so interesting now how sermons get shared and distributed. Because I remember I was just on social media, just randomly checking. Yes. And then I'm, I'm seeing Southwest Region Conference, Pastor Whitley Phipps, Pastor Whitley over Phipps, and like different people. Yeah. And I'm over like, over okay, some, something has happened. So let's let's do the research. Let's find out. So it's been it's been a blessing. And, and I, I just think it reignited this conversation um, that I think so many people have been ignoring for way too long. So I was really happy about that. I feel like sometimes we we misinterpret and we feel like, oh, you know, we're you know we're bashing or we're saying this, but conversations are important. You know, dialogue is important. Shaking things up is, is important because. If we don't have these conversations, then you just start to see things dwindle and die. So yeah. I think it sparks something really important. Definitely. And, and I also yeah. feel like it's our responsibility, I think, as um, not just leaders, but yes, young, young leaders to sort of um, allow our church to be something uh, that is cared about, that we, we, we are constantly thoughtful of what the next couple of years are going to be. And uh, we are pushing the narrative. We're not comfortable with, you know, where we, we feel the church is, but we're constantly finding ways uh, by the movement of the Holy Spirit for to allow it to become better. But to police this and to make sure that we are following the rules, <laughs> we brought in a special guest host. Not a, yes. not a guest, but a special guest host. And this person's going to make sure that we, especially Etzel and myself, that we don't get fired. <laughs> yeah, you don't worry about Ingrid. Ingrid is safe. Ingrid, Ingrid don't got to worry about nothing. You know, yeah, yeah. Ingrid, Everybody loves Ingrid. Employed by the, but for, for, for us, none other than our ministerial director, I can't believe this is the first time we have him on the podcast, and we have him, unfortunately, in this capacity to be the police of nah, this conversation. He, yeah, we don't need police. We're okay. Yeah, don't We're okay. The, like, he's, he's just a guest co-host. That's it. That's okay. it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Diedrich Blue. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Amen. Yeah. Praise I the Lord. Where, 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 no, no, oh. no, 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 Pastor. Pastor, <laughs> what? Why are you going to introduce me as the police? Exactly. Don't do them like that. As the police, come on. Out of all the things you could have chosen, you chose mercy. <laughs> That's a trick. It's triggering. It's it very triggering. Yeah, I know. But you know, now, now, you know how people feel about the police. Yeah, mercy, mercy, mercy. America mercy. feel about the police. You label me this police. Well, well, listen, listen, listen. First of all, let me just say, I'm, I'm glad to be here on this evening because I think that the conversation is an important conversation. I think that the things that were that were talked about, things that were brought up, are, are topics that we really do need to discuss. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in sync with with uh, the uh, co-host here this evening in terms of knowing and understanding the importance of this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah, and I don't have yeah. handcuffs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm not spying out the land, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're going to try to bring justice to the conversation. What what we want to do is we want to make sure that as we're focusing 
on uh, the conversation of the sermon that we'll, we'll bring justice to for those people who haven't heard it. Um, but what we want to do is we wanna, we're going to make sure that the audience knows that we're going to try our best not to deprive you. Um, we're going to try our best to hit some of the major topics of the sermon and try to see how best that can apply to where we are, where we can ultimately go. There are other parts of the sermon that we can't cover, but we pray that if you haven't listened to the sermon, go and listen to it uh, and be blessed by it. Uh, and we, we, we know it will uh, be transformative. It was transformative for myself and for everyone that I know that has listened to it. Uh, well, okay, so without further ado, uh, we want to bring in our uh, special guest. He is uh, very, very, very familiar to, obviously, the Adventist Church and to the Adventist family. Uh, he is and from... The uh, and the That's world. And, and beyond, world. yeah. yeah. Um, he is um, from the great uh, island of Trinidad. And uh, he is known as a singer, as a songwriter, as a producer, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is uh, the founder of the U.S. Dream Academy, uh, that he's been, uh, he has created and has been has been, been ministering for over 25 years. Uh, he is a product of uh, Adventist Christian education. He has been on uh, platforms throughout the world, um, singing and preaching the gospel. Uh, and he was the guest speaker uh, for the 2023 uh, camp meeting at, for the Southwest Regional Conference. He is uh, a, a guest of our podcast, but he is a friend of ours and of the Northeastern Conference. I am glad and I'm so happy to bring him on, none other than Pastor Whitley Phipps. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Phipps, Welcome. thank you. Welcome to the Confession Podcast. Thank you. It's a privilege and a joy to be with you. Awesome. Uh, I guess my first question, I don't know if anybody else ha has one, but I know I have one, is when you preach a sermon that r relates and triggers so many people, what was, your, what was the reaction before we even discuss it, what was the reaction you got from after preaching that sermon? Well, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. As I was sharing with you earlier, the criticism I received most consistently was it wasn't long enough, mm -hmm. which I am so happy to get that criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my, my wife's mother used to say it's better for people to ask you to speak up until you shut up, you know? Right, 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 right. So, so uh, but it, the, really the reaction began literally right on the podium. Mm. Uh, in other words, when I finished the message, God impressed me to ask uh, Pastor Bird to come up and pray. Mm -hmm. When he came to me, there was an embrace mm. of two mm. brothers that was protracted. It, 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 we just held on to each other. Yeah. And, uh, and he kept whispering to me uh, how profound he felt and mm. how impacted he was mm. by this message out of all of the sermons he's ever heard at any camp meeting he's ever been to. 
mm-hmm. which which really touched me and moved me, but it was an affirmation that God had done something uh, really, really special. Uh, I also want to come back and tell you that because uh, I'm a, a gospel singer, mm-hmm. and but I, I'm, I'm probably one of the few gospel singers in the church and perhaps that some have seen who has had some so many major stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, God has blessed me and I, I humbly share these experiences. And I always tell people in every story, God gets the glory. I want God to get the glory because I don't have a manager. I don't have an agent. Uh, I, God does these hookups from heaven for me. But I've sung for the last seven of the last eight presidents of the United States. Uh, I'll let you figure out who the eighth one. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I've sung for General Colin Powell's funeral uh, and or Congressman John Lewis's funeral. And and, and they tell you, by the way, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox News are going to be covering you simultaneously. And and what happens is when you get these moments, you realize you have to be, forgive me for saying it this way, almost a steward of a historic moment. Mm-hmm. And so, and frankly, I want to encourage every pastor that's listening, we are living in a time because everything you do is captured uh, for posterity and captured until Jesus comes. Right. Every time you get up to speak, you are a steward of a historic moment. And so that's how I approach every sermon I preach. You know, I have to push it to the point where I by God's grace, I try to get it to as close a classic as I can get it mm. because it's going to be there should the Lord tarry long after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I approached uh, the sermon. And you, you, you would ask, you, you, you'd ask me to share about this, uh, how I approached it and how it came about. Well, mm-hmm. Uh, Elder Bird sent me the theme for the camp meeting, and it was relevant mm-hmm. or relevance. Mm-hmm. And then he had these three terms: uh, missions, mindset, and ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and and I I thought, well, maybe he wants to be sure that in our mission we're relevant, in our mindset we're relevant, in our ministry we're relevant because that. That's what I thought he was saying mm-hmm. uh, at first. But as I prayed on it and as I, 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 I began to just ask God to guide me with it, I saw those three words, mission, mindset, and ministry. And God began to unveil to me and reveal to me, you know, prophetically as 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 it was spoken of a few moments ago, that standing between mission and ministry mm-hmm. is mindset. Mercy. Mm-hmm. Mercy. And 
In other words, the way we think can be an obstacle mm -hmm. or an accelerant mm. between mission and ministry. Mm -hmm. And so then God began to put it in my spirit. All of those, well, just a few, few of those uh, uh, contributors to our mindset that has made it so difficult for us to have successful ministry. We, we all know the mission, you know, we go in, therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, you know, uh, Jesus is coming soon. We, we all know the mission and we struggle with trying to put together relevant ministry, but I never saw it before that way, that standing in between those is the way we think as a church, and when I say as a church, group think, the psychologists call it. We, you know, we, we all kind of come, we start thinking the same way about things. We, mm -hmm. we have the same language. We have what, I, what, what one writer called denominational God talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we, we have our own way of, of saying things. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's kind of how it all started. And, and I'm so honored to be here with you and I'm open to any of your questions. Fantastic. We appreciate it very much. Um, I, 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 I want to start off by asking uh, all of us, what, what was the what was the part of the sermon that kind of um, was your greatest reaction? Was there something of, about the sermon that, you know, left on your heart? Um, I know I'll start. I'll start for me, um, the, which is the real, real reason why I wanted to do this podcast was um, it, it, it spoke to uh myself in a way that I felt I didn't feel like any other person was able to articulate in a way of dealing with the elephant in the room of mm. the fact that I myself am a proud uh descendant of Haitian parents. Um I, I'm proud of my heritage, I'm proud of uh, where I come from and where my parents come from. And yet I'm different. And um, I've always found a challenge growing up in church that the church has been built in a way that doesn't necessarily cater to me. And I understand it. I get it. I understand um, the reasons why. But I also want to kind of understand why it can't change and what are the areas where it can change to speak to people like me. Uh, to speak to people who, you know, have a love for my um, Caribbean background, but at the same time wants to have a church that is relevant to who I am, and ultimately the generations that are coming after me. So, so when you when you said that point, Pastor Phipps, I, I was I was glued to the sermon. That was that was that was my point. That was my wow. that was my part of the, the wow. sermon. Wow. For me, you know, as as a lay leader that has worked, especially in youth ministries, for quite some time, it 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 hits so many things for me because just this week, which started on Sunday and today is Monday, I was having a conversation about just how different it is trying to find under other individuals to lead, train 
other individuals to take over as I get older and I want to pass the baton. And to be very honest, you know, as a Pathfinder director of my church, the first time I directed the club, I was 16. And now I'm a 30 something year old director and I'm having a harder time now than I did when I was 16 years old because number one, the Pathfinders are so different. The parents and their involvement and dedication is so different. And so as I was listening to you, Pastor Phipps, I mean, it just, it spoke to so many things that we are battling as a church. And the fact that if we don't have these conversations, if we don't get people that are willing to, you know, to take up the work of this church, we are in, we're just in such a dangerous space. So it, it was beyond timely. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Um, I was glued as soon as you started making apologies, Pastor Phipps, as soon as you got up and you said, listen, <laughs> I don't know how y'all going through at the end of this. As soon as you said that, I said, oh, man, yeah, like, we're, right. we're in for a ride here. So, um, cause you know, whenever a preacher gets up, starts making apologies, you know that, listen, they're going to say some hard truths that we probably need to hear, but we've right. been, we've been rushing past. So from there I was locked in. Um, like like Ingrid, like Dudley, I think what really struck me was when you made the link between our lack of focus or, or attention on winning native-born African-Americans and how if we don't learn to win them, then we will not be able to win the children of the migrants. Mm-hmm. And how we are, we're, we're in this thing together. And I've never heard that point made uh, it wow. really pulled everybody into the same boat to realize like th- there's th- there should be no competition when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to who we're focusing on and who we're targeting. Um, right. That to, to, to miss out on one in one generation is to miss out on your own in, a, in another generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that for me was, was really, really profound. There were several other points. I don't yes. want to take us to many places, but that it that's going to stay with but, stay with me. I I'm, but like, as you're talking, Edson, I'm thinking about the 90% from the 10%. And then I'm thinking about our churches, you know, that are Caribbean. And it's like, you bring in... Anyway, let's continue. Let me chime in here, right? Yes. Yes. Listen, man, there were so many things that were, they were said in that sermon. And one point that we're not, we probably won't have time to talk about tonight was the, the fact that sometimes you want all of our pastors to look alike, act alike, sound alike. Yep. Um, and, and God has given us different gifts, right? And and those gifts need to be appreciated and explored. That spoke to my heart as a pastor. But when yeah. you really got me, when you start talking about the African-American thing, because I happen to be a historic African-American descendant mm-hmm. from slaves, I can trace my ancestry back. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody is saying that. I mean, if you take a look at the at the trajectory that's happening in our church right now in New York yeah. City, you can scarcely find any African-Americans. Out of right. about 175, 180 uh, pastors we have, we probably only have maybe about seven or eight uh, native-born historic uh, um, um, African-Americans who don't have Caribbean background. Mm-hmm. So, wow. When, when, wow. when, you, when, you, when you said that, that really spoke to me because every African-American I know who listened to that sermon, they didn't hear nothing else. They heard that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At last, somebody spoke up for us because sometimes when we speak for ourselves, 
it, it, it seems as though that we're belly aching, that we're complaining, that yeah. it's because we haven't done evangelism effectively, and yeah. you yeah. know, you all did it to us. Now we go do it back to you, and, and so we <laughs> and so and so now, so now when you when you, when you opened that door, you opened the I door to conversation, a <laughs> uh, right. much needed conversation, and and that thrilled my heart. Well, praise God. I, I, before you move on to your next point or question, uh, I, I only have one art with this podcast. Mercy. And it, and it is the sermon that called the church out. Mercy. I, I would rather see it, and this is how I feel about it, the sermon I pray that called the church to. Mercy. Wow. Mm. To introspection, yeah. To conversation, mm -hmm. to action, to creative strategies, yeah. To uh, inspired leadership mm -hmm. on this on these issues. Mm -hmm. uh, so th that's my prayer that it will be truly a message that calls us to. Mm -hmm. uh, making a difference and and mm -hmm. doing something about it, like Elder Blue said, not just belly aching, but mm -hmm. coming up with strategies. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, uh, if there's any prayer that I hope will come from this message, it is that the leaders, even if they have to be pushed by their laity, mm -hmm. will finally come together with some kind of symposium, which we've never had. Let me tell you, um, I, I did a podcast recently with the pastors in my conference, uh, and most of them were African-American pastors mm -hmm. because they, one of the reasons I think it touched a chord is because there's this pent up feeling and need for the, these issues to be spoken to, but, the uh, the leaders or pastors who are of Caribbean descent, they don't want to speak to it. Uh, mm -hmm. Many of the leaders don't want to speak to it because we're getting power in churches and we're 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 doing good. I mean, mm -hmm. we're enjoying our our pastorates. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what I mean by that is I I stood up in my church Sabbath and I said, uh, you know, everybody has their favorite time of year you know for some people thanksgiving is their favorite time of year some people uh, christmas is their favorite time of year and then i said to my church this is my favorite time of year it's mango season <laughs> and, and truly i am pastoring a church where members grow all kind of mangoes on their trees and when I come to the pastor study, it's loaded with mangoes, okay? So what I'm saying is that we, we could get comfortable and then be, and just enjoy what, what our pastoral experiences are. But we, we have leaders who often don't want to speak to it because it's pretty good. And then we have... Uh, African-American leaders, as, as Elder Blue, uh, uh, you know, alluded to, they don't want to touch it because they don't want 
their members that they're serving to think that they're anti-immigrant in any way, which, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. And so they don't they don't touch it. And uh, but so I, I just wanted to make that point that I it is my prayer that if this sermon does anything, it calls people to action Amen. and it calls the laity to action mm-hmm. and it calls leadership to action. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the sermon. <laughs> Um, it was a catalyst from the story of the spies that go into the promised land and, uh, the report that comes out of it and the, the problem with the 10 spies and how their mindset was limited. All right. And the, that, 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 that was used as a catalyst now to understand how our mindset yeah. And how limited our mindset can be could limit us to do the mission and to be relevant for our future. And right. I remember the first point that you made uh, in regards to the post-COVID, post-pandemic church. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who, who needs context behind the, the this clip, I, we have the clip right now that we're going to play for you. And then we'll discuss it really, really quickly. Watch this. Now, 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 the first mindset we got to confront is a post-COVID church attendance mindset. Somebody help me now. This mindset says we don't have to worry about showing up physically at church no more. Listen, listen, listen. Did you, and you can bring me up, my brother, my brother on the microphone, bring me up just a little bit. I want to back away from it. Did you know the most drastic decline in church attendance has occurred and is occurring amongst black people in America? More than any other demographic group since COVID, black people and particularly young black people are no longer attending church. Only 10% of the 18 to 30 year old people are attending church. And just like the educational community is dealing with a COVID learning loss, I believe we have to face the fact that in our churches, among our young people, there has been a spiritual COVID learning loss. Our young people have fallen behind in their spiritual maturity. And if you don't believe the church is aging, I, I went to use a restroom in a church the other day and I actually saw a sign that said, please don't flush your depends down the toilet. That is an aging church. Lord help me. Since 2018, the church in North America has grown by one member per church per year. Our camp meetings, our salaries, our pastors, our evangelism, we only can get one person a year to join all of our churches in North America. Technology has changed the way we do church. You know, the five reasons people got up got dressed, got behind the wheel of a car and drove to a building called a church. 
All of that has been digitized now. Fellowship has been digitized. You may not know it, but look at how, how your young people fellowship. Instruction is digitized. Praise and worship is digitized. And yeah, preaching is being digitized. Not long ago, I asked one pastor, if he were not the pastor of his own congregation, would he attend his own church every week? He said, absolutely not. I'd rather stay home. I'll send in my tithe virtually. Y'all are with me, aren't you? I'll worship in my pajamas. This mindset, I said this mindset has become an obstacle between mission and ministry. Mercy. Mercy. It has become an obstacle Mm -hmm. to ministry. Mm -hmm. So the question I have is, The world is changing. Technology is building. Every church, whether they should or they shouldn't, is moving to a digital platform. Right. But yet, what is being mentioned is, is that that might be killing the mission-mindedness of the individuals. Because everyone feels as if, well, I can stay home, there's no accountability, etc. And so how does a church stay relevant with technology without becoming apathetic to the mission of the church? Well, first of all, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, sharing that clip of context. Uh, I mentioned that there are five reasons, I call them five drivers, Hmm. that drove church attendance. I mean, physical, where you actually, reasons that you got behind the wheel of a car and drove to a building called a church. Mm -hmm. And those five drivers are fellowship, instruction, Mm -hmm. inspiration, the promise of transformation, and the opportunity for service. That's why we went. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right? But we weren't prepared for all of them, all of those five drivers being digitized. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I asked you and everyone listening to me, 80, 90% of the fellowship you have, fellowship meaning time spent with another person, 80%, especially for young people, of the fellowship is virtual. Mm -hmm. Think about it. If you added up the the amount of time that you spent talking, texting, FaceTime, if you added all that up, you realize you do most of your fellowship digitally Mercy. and virtually. It's just reality. Yeah. Uh, instruction, the fastest growing universities 
a virtual. Mm-hmm. Instruction, you don't have to drive to a building or get inside of a building to get instruction anymore. Hmm. You know, inspiration. Just think about this. If you had 20 people by your house tonight on a Saturday night and you wanted to have a shared moment of inspiration with those 20 people, right? Would you do like we used to do in the old day? Okay, how many cars we got? How many people can we get in a car? That's not what you're doing. You're throwing it up on the screen, right? Mm -hmm. And all of us are gathering around, whether it's a concert, whether it's a film, whether it's doc, whatever it is, instruction is digitized. Hey, if I, the the most inspirational thing I enjoy is a good concert, a good move, a a good concert, right? Well, if it isn't happening, I can bring it to me. Yeah. I, I, can, I can be inspired by a concert that is, is digitized. Now, the promise of transformation, you know, we, we still think you got to be in the building. And when the preacher makes the call, you come down the aisle right as as evidence of transformation but the truth of the matter is i preach and 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 people have sent me messages that when i made the call they literally walked down to the television in their Mm -hmm. their house Mm -hmm. that's right that's right that's right (laughs) and got got on their knees Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and and then the only one and this is kind of tough hard to say that's out there still that's not digitized is in, in is service where we we serve other people. And I'm switching up my face because I want to say that sadly, that's not one that we do a lot of no. in, in our church. So so we really never really came. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So people could miss it. Yeah. Right. We, right. We never really came for service. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. How do I know that? Look at our budgets. Mercy. You know, you always say follow the money. Look at our budgets. Ninety percent of all the money we take in in our churches, we spend it on ourselves, on our buildings, our electricity, or on our air conditioning on our salaries and our music, we spend it on ourselves. Uh, and, and we really are not structured to, right. to, to, to invest in service. And so I, I'm saying th- that uh, we, we have, uh, we, we, we haven't, we're not ready for these changes that have come with this technology. Uh, but we have to come together and talk about it and come up with new strategies that factor in for all these things that I've been talking about. Absolutely. I'm going to jump in for a second, right? Because as I was listening to you comparing 
what's happening to educational learning loss, right? As an educator, right. one of the things that we've done to tackle that is having the students in the building more, assessing their needs individually, giving them more of what they need individually to help to combat them, to get them reacclimated to being in the building, being around their peers, providing more social activities and opportunities. I mean, it's such a true correlation. And these are the things that we need to do. Our churches need to be open more and not less. We need to offer more opportunities for service and interaction and ministry. And it's, it's, it's. Well, can I, can I speak to that one? Because yes. that, that, that really, uh, there are a couple of points in this sermon and in our discussion that really are, are touching me deeply. Mm -hmm. One of them is this spiritual COVID learning loss. What mm -hmm. I mean by that, for, for almost three years, our young people who sometimes when they didn't come in the sanctuary, they would hang around the building. Yes. Right. <laughs> and, and maybe like the Bible says, they would get some crumbs that fell off the table, but they, they got something. Yes. Mm -hmm. But for almost three years, they got nothing. They got nothing. And and we lost a lot of them in terms of uh, of their their ability to be spiritually strong. And, I, and I, I've seen them in, in my own church. And, and it's it's very difficult trying to get them back into the, into the fold. Yep. We we just we've just lost it. We, forgive me for saying it this way, but it's quite possible that COVID, we, we've lost a, a, a generation Mercy. of young people wow. who uh, in this with this spiritual COVID learning loss. Wow. We 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 I don't know how we're gonna be able to get them back, but we have to keep working at it and keep trying. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that that, 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 oh, go ahead, Dr. Blue, go ahead. Okay, good, good. No, no, That's go for it. Well, well, I think other okay. thing, <laughs> go doc, go doc, go, go doc. <laughs> I was going to ask it Everybody's too nice. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, um, young people are still gathering somewhere. Mm. So mm. when there's when there's a concert, if there's a club, if there's something that's happening, they'll gather. There's, there's yeah. a church in New York that does flash mob congregations. <laughs> so you know, they'll use the digital technology to announce what's going on. And then people just show up. Sometimes they show up in a pub. Sometimes they show up in the park. But mm -hmm. technology is being wedded with young people's um, determination to, to want together. And also yeah. the opportunity for service is being merged together into one effective outreach. So right. We, right. I think, I think we, we did have a tremendous loss. But that loss, as you were saying in your sermon, Pastor, is provides us an opportunity to refocus and begin to ask ourselves some questions. Is there some critical and creative ways that we can uh, begin uh, to, to reach out once again? And I think that's that's what the sermon asked me um, yeah. and, and challenged me to think, well, maybe, just maybe, uh, the building as I know it right now, what has transpired in the building may have to change. Yeah. So yeah. rather than the, the, the thought of building a, a bigger church to house more and more people to sit there, right? right? Maybe that that needs to be an event space where people are called together at particular times and then equipped for service and then just sent out. So it goes right. back to what the church was really designed to be and not right. not, not an auditorium for the frozen chosen. Mm -hmm. right. right. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. it, it's so it's so true. I think one of the things that helps to combat educational COVID learning loss is that there's a standard for fifth graders. So when they're not meeting the standard, you're aware they're not meeting the standard. Fourth graders should know how to do certain things. Third graders right. should know how to do certain things. And I think that one of the challenges we have within the church is that we don't have clear benchmarks or standards for discipleship. So when people are falling behind, we, we, they're not they're not even aware that they're mm -hmm. falling behind. They think that they're okay when they're also fall when they when they're also not not meeting the necessary benchmarks. But we don't have the structures in place to make even make make them aware if we're even aware of how far they're falling behind. Right. Well, and, I, I, and I, I will add one more thing to what you just said. Um, and I've been a pastor for almost 50 years. And uh, and I've consistently, with all of that, you know, God has allowed me to do, I've always been in the pulpit. I've always been a, in a pastorate. And, and I can tell you that the, 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 that problem of the learning loss, how can I say this so that it's not misunderstood? Um, we, we, we have, uh, um, we need to change, and I think I said it at the end of my sermon, we need to have a new theological focus hmm. for our young people. Hmm. In other words, and I'll just, just succinctly say it this way, what does it matter if you know the details of prophecy <laughs> But in your character, you're not prepared for the fulfillment of prophecy. Hmm. Which is more important? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, I, I, I hear people, I, I, somebody called me, they picked up an old sermon that I preached uh, about folks, folks who focus on last day events and the mark of the beast and, and, and that has its place. But the truth of the matter is when Jesus looks to embrace us and welcome us into his kingdom he's not looking for those who don't have the mark of the beast he's looking for those who have the seal yeah, of the it. living god that's it oh, that's good of his character mm -hmm. and let me tell you this we have no bible studies on how to develop character Mercy. that resembles reflects and reveals the character of Christ. The words, you just took my words, go ahead. <laughs> we, we're, we're not focused on equipping, and, and really, I think that's where, for me, it's not an either or, you know, doctrines mm -hmm. have their place. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's, not, I'm, it's, it's a both and. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but, but I think our central theological focus to connect with this young generation mm -hmm. is going to have to be, we are a church who can help you yes. grow more yes. every day yes. to I resemble, see. reflect, and reveal the character of Jesus in the earth today. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we don't have one Bible study on it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we need, that needs to change if we're going to hold on to our young people. My God.
and 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 it's it's relevant right now in the way in which we've seen coming out of the pandemic because everything the pandemic has taught us is that we've been catering so much to building services that we haven't been building witnesses yeah and coming now now we're post covid we're post pandemic and now we're in a situation where now instead of learning to build character what are we doing we find our churches trying to do better with services mm. doing better trying to do better programs putting better in production more, director more production we need yeah. more light we need more microphones because we feel like the answer is doing more of the same Right. Where the reality is, the church is screaming for something completely different. Mercy. We, we need a we need a completely we need a paradigm shift. Absolutely, a theological <laughs> paradigm shift. A theological uh, paradigm shift. Really, we really do because and to, and in, in terms, um, I remember I was preaching in Australia one time, and I said I've come a long way to make a simple case mm. for the preeminence. Of Christ likeness. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> we need a, a theological shift. And, and, and let, me, let me also tell you why that is important to me. And there's nobody, I almost want to say, no, no pastor that studies more about character over the last 20 years than I think I have. I, 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 have, I have immersed myself. And by the way, I could only do that because I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And what do I mean mm -hmm. by that? I mean by that no one in the history of planet Earth, no writer has had more to say about the doctrinal centrality, the theological centrality of Christ-likeness and becoming like Christ, the character of Christ and the character of God than Ellen White. And and there, there are people who, who run to the hills when you call her name. But I'm telling you, as one who has studied for more than 50 years, you just go back and read Steps to Christ. And every time you see the word, word character, underline it, put a line through it, you will, you will be amazed at how important the reason Jesus came was not just to rescue us, mm -hmm. to redeem us, mm -hmm. and to restore us mm -hmm. into the likeness, image, mm -hmm. and character mm -hmm. of Christ. And mm -hmm. she makes a very simple statement. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Mm -hmm. So, so when, I, when I, in my, in, in my um, at my church, we say the fourth commandment like everybody, like most Adventist churches, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, right? But at the end of that, we always say to be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Mm -hmm. in, in other words, remember the Sabbath day, but remember that to be a Christian means to be Christ-like in character. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I I find I find these conversations sometimes frustrating because I feel like there are so many different platforms and podcasts and 
um, not necessarily that particular sermon. That sermon was one of a kind. But um, other conversations where these things in some way or shape or form are brought up, but mm-hmm. nothing happens. And I think the frustration with all the people who are watching and all the people who are commenting are, okay, We under. I think we can all, whether we can articulate it or not, recognize the problem. But Lord, how do we change this problem? Why are we always going right back to the same situation where we're crying out, looking for a change, but we can't find it? And I think that it, it comes a lot with a certain sense of responsibility that comes from us in the church. And, I, and there was a point of your sermon that you that you called you called us out. I know you didn't like you don't like the touch, but you said if 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 it continues to change, if it doesn't continue to change, it's it's our fault. That's what you mentioned. I want to play a clip for you really quick, and then I want to ask you a real quick question about it. Here we, here we All go. Right, okay. Do you know that you have a political system that does not allow you, the members, to choose its leaders? As a result, members don't get to consider all their leadership options before they make a choice of what leader is going to be leading them. You see, we have a political mindset and system that will only allow the members, you the members, and by the way, let me say this, if you continue to let it happen, it's your fault. You have a system that will only allow you, the members, to consider one name and one leader at a time that a committee allows you to see. And as a result, in most cases, all you end up with are a weak slate of souls. You never get to see your David. Even Samuel said to Jethro, let me see all your sons before choosing the one to lead Israel. He didn't say, bring me the name from the nominating committee. (laughs) Sorry. You entered it at a bad place. (laughs) You know what? What a perfect time. To introduce Pastor Michelle Marie. Hi, everybody. Did you miss me? I miss you guys. And a special hello to Pastor Whitley Fitz. Man, that sermon has had my phone being blown up for at least the last two weeks. All these Mm. questions. And I was really trying to stay off tonight. I was watching the cast and I said, yeah, I'm going to get on. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, one quick quick correction and uh, we corrected it in my sermon. Uh, I was just so full and so much was going. It it was uh, Samuel said to Jesse, not Jethro. So Right, right, right. But we heard you. The spirit translated. We heard. Like, we, heard, we, heard. We, we understood. We, 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 we understood. You're good. Yeah. Hey, but the point can't, the point got across. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, the point was across for yeah. sure. Okay. Um, and Pastor Blue, you're gonna have to help me here. Help me, guide me, tell me if I'm wrong. Um 
Be back to being the police again. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I don't want this podcast to be political. I don't want it to be an excuse to speak of things that that's going to get us off the, the rails of where we want to go. Yet still, I feel like that point, as, much, as, as well as other points, spoke to, again, the wheel. We recognize issues. We recognize problems. But there's no real way to change it. And, and change comes when, when you first recognize the problem. And then that too, you you are you you are aware of the mechanisms to do whatever change you want to do. And I'm not professing or trying to tell anybody what to do or what not to do. Um, I guess my question to 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 you, Pastor, is based on that 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 sermon, because um, I, I know that there are many that there are many members who've always felt um, they've always felt somewhat disempowered. Um, when it comes to participating in the process of, of forming and shaping policy, right? Um, what would you tell members, the people who are watching tonight, what would you tell members on what to do, what to know and what to do um, to keep them in the loop? Well, the first thing I would recommend mm -hmm. is that you bring together the best legal minds in our churches into a consortium. Mm -hmm. Okay? Those minds, because we got a lot of wonderful legal minds in, in our churches, but they stand back. Mm -hmm. You probably have some people in your church who are lawyers that you don't even know are lawyers. Or they work for the system. Okay? then what they have to do is to study the process we have now, understand the bylaws carefully and see what are the most effective changes that can be made to allow the rank and file members to see all of the potential leadership options that are available in their field rather than only one person that a committee puts before them. And like I said in the message, we wouldn't stand for that process, that kind of process in any other area of life. Mm -hmm. where where in what area of life do you relinquish your choice to one choice offered to you by anybody or committee it, 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 that the real estate the real estate agent analogy was was yeah, great yeah. I don't know if, that. If, if your real estate agent yeah. said hey I'm only telling you one house, and until you tell me that's mm -hmm. not the house you want, you're not gonna see any other houses. Mm -hmm. no, that, that, that don't work like that. I had one like that. I fired him. I I need to see all. <laughs> okay, I need to see the three bedroom house. I need mm -hmm. to see the two bed, the that's three bed right. and a half bedroom. I need to see my options mm -hmm. so I can make my make the best choices. Frankly, 
a lot of times there, there you know there are people who don't trust the, the 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 vote of the members the rank and file members and that's why they, they they don't think that the rank and file members are wise enough to make that kind of erudite choice and and I don't believe that, and that's just me. That's 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 how I, I I think. Now there are some denominations. If if there are four or five candidates, you see their resumes. Mm -hmm. Some of them even let you. Some of them the the candidates get up and sh share with the, the denomination their vision. Yeah of what wow. they would love to do and where they would like to take the church. Uh, but that's not, that's not our system, but it doesn't have to be. And I, I think it's a, it's a poor system because it is, it is often manipulated mm -hmm. in back rooms. Mm -hmm. And, and you get, like I said, Saul's a week slate of Saul's. You don't ever get to see, the, the one who God may be holding in the wings to take you as an organization. And, and by the way, I, I'm saying all of that, but I'm also saying leadership is critical. Lead Moses, Joshua, leadership is critical. Uh, that's why, you know, when, when Jesus could have sent 12, 12 angels around there, but he got 12 disciples and he mm -hmm. trained them yes. for leadership. Leadership is critical. And, and uh, so uh, I'm, I, that's, that's what I would recommend. I, I don't think members on their own can actually do something about it, but they can get some good legal minds, make some changes or, or recommend some changes in the areas of our bylaws and constitution so that we're able to see all our potential leadership options. I, I, let me, let me just chime in. I think, I think that our, our church is God ordained, right? We, I mean, we won't argue that point. We you may need to lean in a little bit, brother. We can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, I said, we would all agree that our that our church is, is God ordained. We would also say, we would also say that we believe that God gave us this doctrine, right? But the but the the system and how it operates is something that we crafted as a means and a vehicle for facilitating the operation of the church, right? And that that vehicle has morphed and shifted over years in many different forms yeah and so to say that just because we've always done it one way we have to continue to do it that way uh is 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 not is not uh, necessarily sensible right and can, and can i can i add yeah that was one of the things i was speaking about mm -hmm. when i talked about the curse of doctrinal triumphalism. Triumphalism, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard, yeah, I remember that word. Because we think we're right on the Sabbath, we know we're right on the Sabbath, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we know we're right on the state of the dead, we assume we're right on how the system that we use to choose leaders. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, <laughs> and, 
and, and, and it shouldn't be touched. And listen, and listen, listen, and and we and we use we use things like we don't want to be political, right? Our system, <laughs> our system weeds out the politics. Well, anybody knows you could go from a constituency meeting to Congress. <laughs> you know, I mean, these things are more political. We're just not we're just not as overt about it. So, so to say that there's no campaigning going on, that there's no subterfuge going on, that there's no backroom deals that are going on. Uh, let's stop. Let's start deluding ourselves in that regard, right? Let's just be honest with ourselves and say, listen, given where we are, perhaps we need to 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 uh, start asking ourselves some critical questions about how we reform the way that we do things. In in, in 1995, I was voted into the general conference from my local church. Mm. You never heard of that. Someone going from being a pastor of a church, never mm. served in a conference position, never served in a union position, never served in a division mm. position. And I'm serving in the general conference, the mm. highest mm. body of our church. Mm. So I go to my first big meeting. Uh, we were meeting in, in Brazil. And, and uh, I was getting on the elevator. One of the people in that department, I got on, I saw him, hey, how you doing? The door closed. And as the elevator started to move, he turned to me and said, I'm going to do everything in my power to get you out of your position. Wow. That's not about right. <laughs> I said, you might hurt my family. So I'm not trying to hurt your family, but I'm going to do everything in my power to get you out of your position. And so, so the Dr. Blue is absolutely correct. You don't see the machinations that go on beneath mm -hmm. the, 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 the beneath this cloak mm -hmm. of doctrinal triumphalism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. I, I, let me let me say something here. So you know, one of the things that I realize about our church is. Um, one of the arguments, right, I'm going to just take an age old argument as to why there are state conferences and why there are regional conferences. Right. It's the idea that in order for the um, African-American, Caribbean or even Hispanic uh, vote to matter, we have to have our own. Right. And I say that um, because as much as I love the idea of our system being transformed into um, more of a DNC and a Republican convention <laughs> where people get together and say, why, you know, we, the Brooklyn South nominate this person and we, the Brooklyn North nominate this person and we, the Westchester nominate this person. And then these are all our options. It would have to take a leader to step back and say, I'm willing to have an open election. Uh, yeah. it's, I, it's, it's a beautiful thought and idea that and, and I'm not I'm not trying to push back. I'm simply stating that I think that sometimes, especially in Adventism, and you said this, it is a group think. It is the idea that we all have to continue to operate the same way we always have. Um, there was a sermon that uh, Joel Austin preached, and there was a clip of it where he was saying that he remembered that they used to cut the corners of the pot roast before they put it in the oven, and he finally asked his his mother 
why do you cut the corners of the pot roast? And everybody's response was, oh, because my mother did it, because my mother did it. So I, I guess he went to his great grandmother and asked her why she cut the corners. And she said, because the pan was too small. Like that was it. There was nothing magical about cutting the corners of the pot roast. It was just because the oven did not fit the size of the pan that she needed to use for the right. pot roast. And I think that a lot of Adventism and the way that we do our policies and procedures is cutting off corners from meatloafs that we're putting in ovens because it's how it's always been done. So what I'm saying is for there to be a major change, a shift, and this conference is no stranger to people having a little bit of political uprising. Uh, it happened in a couple of elections, I think two election seasons ago. Um, Get and it's out not of town. Secret. It's not a secret. It's not something that we can't talk about. It happened. Um, yeah. So, where you know, they literally took some of those legal minds and did things, and people were and are still bothered by what happened at that election. And I think that that's what gets us stuck, Pastor. It's this idea that it has to always be the same and that yeah. in order for there to be change, it's not enough for just one or two people to, to, to yell and shout, we need to change things. It has to come from a place where even the administration is willing to say, yeah, I'm willing to have an open election. Because really, how would it happen? I agree with you. Go ahead, Pastor Fitch. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. This phrase that you're using is so scary. Open election? Who ever heard of that? <laughs> <laughs> who, who ever heard of that? You know, and we just have to be willing, as you said, to accept uh, uh, some radical change. Because what we've got, and I, I said this at near the end of my message, isn't working. It isn't working. How, how is it that we have 5,900 churches in North America and we added, for the last five years, we've added less than 5,900 members to all of those 5,900 churches in North America. Hmm. Hmm. And nobody, and, and, and you not have a symposium on it? One raise the brow. <laughs> you, not have, you don't come together to say, let's, this is serious. Let's figure this out. Let's address mm -hmm. it. And, and, and so I, I'm just praying that, and maybe this is a good segue for us to talk about the, the African-American uh, challenge that that uh, we are facing in reaching and winning native-born uh, Americans in this country. Perfect, because believe me, I think we, we we've covered that, this topic enough. Um, I, I'm moving to again. I, I'm biased to the, the the point of your sermon, point of the five that hit me uh, the most, and that yes. was uh, the African American caribbean based um um paradigm that we're in let's listen to a clip and then we will discuss it the second issue contributing to our collective mindset oh lord i'm gonna step on jesus he's gonna have to help me jesus it is this how do you win 
native-born Americans without alienating the immigrants who in many instances have become the financial and spiritual backbone of what is left of the church. Hear me today. Nobody wants to address this. The, Car the Caribbean, Western, they don't want to address it because they're doing good. They're getting more power in church. Come on, somebody. Native bones, don't, they don't want to address it because they don't want to be anti immigrant. That's right, you got somebody listening to me. But listen to what I'm about to tell you 10% of all black people in America are immigrants to America. And if 90% of your church or conference is made up of immigrants, that means that you are getting 90% of your members from 10% of the black people in America. And no matter how culturally comfortable you have become, listen, listen, if you don't realize that if you don't fight to win native-born Americans in the church, that means you're going to lose your own children. Immigrants who are born in this country. Oh, Jesus, I ask you to pray for me now. You can't be willing to sacrifice your own children just so you can be culturally comfortable? Woo! I believe accepting this mindset is adopting a, a mindset that is standing in the way. Yes. Mercy. I'll go, I'll go collect the offering again. <laughs> now, Pastor, Pastor, I, I said from the very beginning when you made that point as a native born uh, historic African American who could trace my ancestry back to the 1700s, um, that thing really touched me and moved me. And it, it, moved, it moved me in, in ways because we talked about the political system too. I want to tie the two because you said this is a, a perfect bridge. One of the things that we have seen in many of our conferences, I won't, I won't name which conferences, but uh, some of us in this room may, may be able to identify, you know, we've gone even beyond Native Americans and, and, and uh, uh, immigrants. So that now we have immigrants fighting immigrants so that our whole political system has become ethnic warfare, mm -hmm. right? And, right. And, and, and we see ethnic cleansings mm -hmm. <laughs> going on. You know, you know, spiritual genocides, you know, yeah. uh, that, that 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 take place, and and I, I think I think that you you were speaking to something that does speak directly to me as an African American, but the point is even larger than that. But the point is the point is how can we be so comfortable as individuals that just because it's me, mine, and us four that it can be no more? Mm -hmm. I've gotten to the place that I can become so comfortable that I can't even begin to see you, identify with you, or even want to identify with you. Because if you're not just like me, then you are my enemy. My God. Mercy. You are my political rival. Mercy. Uh, you know, um, first of all, let me say, this has been a burden that I have carried in many ways alone for many years. I spoke, I don't know if it was 10 years ago or more. It was. Bob, at the Northeastern camp meeting. I was there. 
<laughs> and I raised this issue right there at camp meeting. I think the way I said it was, if Jesus landed at LaGuardia and wanted to worship at one of our churches on Sabbath, he would only have Aki eating, sorrow drinking churches to choose from. Mercy. <laughs> and I don't think he would just sit around us eating roti <laughs> while like says, how many ministers are fanning the last spark of life in churches that are getting ready to die mm. while millions are perishing all around us? Yeah, yeah. I don't think Jesus would just sit and enjoy our Caribbean dialect and fair while millions the majority of which is what the regional conferences were raised up for right they were raised up to reach black people and it, it wasn't raised up to be just a haven for us and i say us because i am an immigrant for us so so and i say it again so that my members can bring me mangoes it, it, that's not what it's there. That's not what this the regional conference was created for. And the very fact, I, I know it stunned a lot of people, but 10% of all black people in America are immigrants to mm -hmm. America. Yeah. But if you're getting 90, 95% of your membership mm -hmm. from that 10%, hmm. But 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 you're cool with that. Mm -hmm. You're good with that. Mm -hmm. And and I tell you, uh, I I am I am praying. Hey, if there's one thing I know that needs to happen, members need to challenge leadership to do something to meet about this and create strategies. And and finally, I will say this. I I believe. I, I've been blessed because uh, I traveled with Jesse Jackson in my 20s. I have been grafted into the civil rights movement, even though I wasn't old enough to march, right? And, mm -hmm. and so all the major leaders I've had association with, and I've worked, you know, Shirley Chisholm was a dear friend of mine. You know, uh, Dr. Dorothy Hyde, who was standing on the, was there on the podium with Dr. King when he gave his I Have a Dream speech, who was president of the National Council of Negro Women. Uh, and I can go through the list of, of the experiences I had that helped me to understand the struggle uh, of African-Americans in this country. But I, there are a couple points I wanna make. I believe God must have a, powerful purpose for a group of people that the enemy has focused on and done his best with demons to wreak such havoc among among my god my god you know it, it, it just that alone you know you got to see them i i spoke the sabbath and i say I was talking about we got to see them as casualties 
in our urban communities, we, we got young people casualties of, mm -hmm. uh, of a war that is being fought by demonic forces, right? Mm. Yeah. But here's, here's, here's the point God gave me this Sabbath when I preached on it that took my breath away. And still, when I think about it, it moves me deeply. God said to me, for those of us, often immigrants, who look down our noses at all the crime, or <laughs> all the drugs, all the children out of wedlock. And by the way, by the way, the highest area of the world where children are born out of wedlock is the Caribbean. <laughs> just, just kind of put that one away. But what God showed me was this, that any race that had the same history would be facing the same situation that African-Americans face today. Wow. Think about it. If it was white people who were brought here as slaves or Filipinos or Asians or mm -hmm. Hispanics and had the same st structural horrific history. And they said, well, it was so long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. My wife, my wife, when we go to her father's grave site. My wife's father was born in 1882. Mm. My wife's father was born in 1882 and his father was born early in the 1800s, a slave. So my wife's grandfather, not her great, great, great nothing, her mm. grandfather was a slave in this country. And African-Americans, by the way, were the only people group who did not come to this country as families. Mm -hmm. Every other immigrant group came to this country as families and sent for somebody. Mm. <laughs> Mama, cousin, brother, uncle, father, you, you know we, we sent for people. I, I got here because we were sent for, right? African-Americans mm. didn't have that history. And, and I believe that we may have come to a time when native-born Americans who, by the way, no matter what race they are, native-born Americans is the greatest, most difficult mission field that we're going to experience and are experiencing in the next 10, 20 years. Winning and, and holding native-born Americans is going to be the most difficult mission field. And, and native born Americans includes the children of immigrants, the children of West Indians, the children of, of Haitians, the children of Jamaicans. We're losing our own children who are born in this country. And, 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 and so the fact that we need to try, you know, I'm trying to inspire people to reach native born Americans, immigrants, I'm trying to help us reach your own children, right? Mm -hmm. but, but, and, and the final point I'm gonna make is I told my church uh, when I preached this Sabbath, we need to sign up for this, for labor in this new mission field. Mm -hmm. And then 
I, I gave an, the example of my wife being the granddaughter of a slave. My wife had the blessing of living next door to a, a Seventh-day Adventist immigrant family. Mm. Who from when she was three and four and five years old would take her in to spend the weekends at their house. They bought, they bought her little church dresses that they kept pressed and cleaned and hanging at their house. So wow. if she wanted to wear those pretty dresses, she went to church. Wow. And I tell people, I call it Holy Ghost bribery. Mm -hmm. but, but when she was away from the cussing and the fussing and the shooting mm -hmm. and the stabbing and the liquor mm -hmm. and the gambling, Wow. That we know goes on in the hood. That's what mm -hmm. my wife, my wife grew up in that. My all my wife's seven brothers and sisters have been incarcerated at some point in their lives. Her older sister has six children. Five of them have been in prison. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's an intergenerational cycle of incarceration, which is what the Dream Academy that I established, that's that's been my focus for the last 25 years, ministering to children whose parents are incarcerated and children falling behind in school. But this immigrant family had the heart, had the, the, they were touched by Jesus to seek to win the whole family. I mean, mm -hmm. she, she was, that, that family was, her name was Sister Forbes, Idella Forbes mm -hmm. from the Bahamas. And when my wife as a little girl, four or five, six years old, would be with them on the weekend, she'd see how they would bow their head and say grace at a table. She saw mm -hmm. family. She saw family. She, she, she saw how they welcomed the Sabbath. Don't forget the Sabbath. The Lord God is blessed. She, she, she came from a non-Adventist, Native African-American home, but she was being ministered to by an immigrant family mm -hmm. and, and 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 look at what god has done she said at, she said at, at the age of 12 she started praying to god that she married somebody like a minister mercy you know she thought that would be the, a way to really really break out of that in her family wow. so i'm just saying that we as immigrants we, we, I'm praying that we will catch a vision hmm. that God wants us to step up and sign up to begin to reach out to the, the most difficult mission field today, mm -hmm. and that is re reaching people who look like us, mm -hmm. who live in these communities. Forgive me for so passionately sharing and, and telling you yeah. from my heart. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, I, I think more than anything, uh, what today's conversation has unpacked is the fact that we are doing so much work and yet we're just scratching the surface on what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And um, especially coming out of the pandemic, as we've mentioned before, um, that maybe it's time 
maybe it's time for a paradigm shift. Maybe there needs to be um, more conversations about the things that really matter. And I'm going to, I'm going to harp on my pastor's words here. If you don't do anything about this, if you hear this podcast and you don't do anything about it, it's your fault. Because it's about time. I think we're tired of, of, of having these conversations and putting on these opportunities for us to be, you know, edified and to find illumination and yet not necessarily doing anything about it. Um, and so can I give you those, those words from, uh, that I ran across Ellen White's writings, which she said, what we need is a quiet and dignified revolution. Amen. Amen. And, and I said that, and one, one pastor got up and said, yeah, we don't need a revolution. We need a revival. We need both. We need both. Absolutely. <laughs> we need a revival, but Lord knows we sure need a revolution, but we yes. need to keep it dignified. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, pastor Phipps, we could, we, we could keep picking your brain forever. <laughs> uh, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you. It was you. a privilege uh, to having uh, to having you with us on this podcast. Um, I hope that you don't feel like you are a stranger to <laughs> us here at the Northeastern Conference, to us, our our confessions family, and we hope that you'll, we'll have you again. This has been so good for us, and and again, this conversation was just the tip of the iceberg. Definitely um, the tip. But, but I hope it does spark some, you know, we put a lot of our efforts into a lot of things beside the things that we should be putting them into. And so I hope that we will put our efforts into some of these changes and really, you know, really get to know the people in, in our communities because our churches are in these communities and really, really meet their needs, really meet their needs where they are and learn who our neighbors are so that we can be influential and impactful in their lives. So Definitely. let's, let's Definitely. do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, I, I always am looking for takeaways and yeah. we have so many people on so many, so many people with their leaving comments. And I know so many people get, also get discouraged when it's time to get involved, when it's time to, to really take a stand. Mm-hmm. What are one or two things, uh, Pastor Phipps, that you would tell us, do right now, do it, do it this week, do it in the next few weeks, do this, read this, learn this so that we can keep this going and not end that conversation. Well, for me, one of the things I'm hoping, uh, I don't know, do you all have a way uh, of capturing the comments uh, or recording the comments or do they come up is there a way to get a file of them? Yes. Uh, you know how to do that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, if you could grab those, because I want to hear from those people. Mm-hmm. Really, I want to. I, I want to hear what they're thinking and how they're feeling, um, and and maybe some might even have recommendations or suggestions, but I, I, I want I want to be able to read that. And, and as long as you have the technology to be able to copy and paste and grab all of those comments, I, I, I would love for that. That's for me. Mm-hmm. But for us all, I, I, I think I started my sermon with that scripture, if my people mm-hmm. 
who are called by my name mm -hmm. will just humble themselves and pray and pray mm -hmm. and, and seek my face yeah. turn from their wicked ways mm -hmm. i will hear i will hear from heaven yeah and i will heal their land and there's so much that will come with that um and so i would encourage them don't underestimate the power of prayer and uh and to pray but then i would also encourage uh because leadership is so pivotal and critical i would encourage let find a group of sharp legal minds that can come together to offer the kind of recommendations mm -hmm. that would open up the process to uh you know one of the things i was going to say who ever heard of a constituency meeting and and no one have no one has done an assessment to determine what that conference needs <laughs> you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't get healing. You don't get progress unless you assess, you diagnose, you prescribe, you implement corrective mm -hmm. measures, and you make sure you come back and make sure that those measures you've implemented are working. We don't we don't have an we don't even have an analysis to say, okay, this is the kind mm -hmm. of leader we need to implement what this the directions that we need so i, I so you're asking me and i'm i'm kind of just letting the lord speak to my heart and and respond to your question we really need uh to again use great minds among the laity mm -hmm. to do an assessment of what your conference and all of our conferences need to, to to implement and to uh, to to do to make a transformative difference in our communities today, and then we and then you choose leaders that can help you implement the recommendations that come from that assessment. Mm -hmm. So so if you ask me, I would just say. To, to, there are two kinds of committees that are needed, uh, and one is uh, to, to really assess what your field needs, what your cities need, what your communities mm -hmm. need, yep. and then determine uh, and put in place a process that can help you find the best leadership to inspire, motivate, and rally ministers and laity to implement the recommendations that come from that assessment. Yeah. I hope that's Thank helpful. You. That's very helpful. Thank yeah. you so Dr. much. Lewis. I want to Thank add you. just one more thing. And mm -hmm. I think Pastor Fitz would agree with this because I just saw uh, Paul Scabella out there and he also said the best theological minds as well. Mm -hmm. yes. Whatever yes. we do is, is we find it grounded, grounded mm -hmm. in 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 our 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 history 
in the Bible and mm -hmm. our understanding of God's leading of the movement, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so th thank you, Paul, for that for that comment. I think it was very very uh, helpful. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Well, uh, want to thank everybody for coming on tonight. Thank, yeah. thank everybody for being a part of this wonderful conversation. Um, our hope and our goal with the Convention Podcast is to scratch where it itches, uh, to be a podcast uh, that's relevant, to be a podcast that speaks to uh, the plight and the circumstances of our church uh, from a millennial perspective. Uh, but also from a, a grounded and a um, holistic approach. Uh, and so I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight, everyone who stayed up late. I know we got a holiday tomorrow, uh, <laughs> but every, that's probably the reason why everyone's still up. Um, but I want to thank everybody for, for, for watching today and everyone who, who will be listening on Spotify and on Apple uh, in the coming weeks and months to come. Thank you to Pastor Phipps. Thank you, Dr. Blue, our ministerial director. Thank you for everybody. And this is us today signing off. Thank you very much. Uh, and this is us saying goodbye. And we'll see you guys. I don't know. Next time. Um, next so, time. Next time. We'll yeah. see you next time. <laughs> Whenever. This is us, everybody. Great job. Thank you, everybody. Good night. This is us. All right.